The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're working hard to make sure you get the informa- information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today, we are going to talk about the rehab retail business, that thing you see on those TV shows on cable where folks, you know, buy a, an ugly house and they turn it all around and make it a beautiful house and then sell it for a profit. Uh, it doesn't quite work exactly the way you see it on television, for instance. You can't, in fact, complete a $50,000 rehab in a week in real life. And also, you can't go $50,000 over budget and still miraculously make money at the end of the deal. And also, you can't accidentally knock your garage over with a bulldozer and have that be not that big a deal. But, you know, it is a good business and there is plenty of profit to be had in it if you know what you're doing. Uh, and specifically, we're going to address the issue of uh, what goes on in that business as the market slows down. How do things change? What do you need to adjust? What do you need to be looking for? Um, my guest today is Jerry Fink, who has been a frequent guest on Real Life Real Estate over the last 20-something years and who is my go-to guy about all things rehab. Uh, unusually, he is joining us by phone from his RV somewhere in the Mid-South on his way to a, uh, guess what, rehab education event. Uh, so joining us by phone is Jerry Fink. Welcome, Jerry. Hey, Vina. How you doing? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm we are, good. We are passing through Memphis as we speak. So. Passing through <laughs> <Yeah>. Memphis. 1,200-mile 12, <laughs> trip from your home in Florida to yep. Branson, Missouri, where you're heading yep. for this event. So kudos for continuing the education there even though you've been you've already been in the real estate business for like 30 years um it's yeah, a, 30, 36 but who's counting yeah. <laughs> 36 years um yeah it's always it's it's always interesting to go to a a, a class or like you know you, you're you're uh, involved in the um, the National Real Estate Summit we do here every November because you're the controller of uh, Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. And it's always, you know, it's, I, I don't know why it would still be surprising, but, you know, we walk in and there's people there who have been in real estate seriously for 40 or 50 years. Right. And right. and you say, 
so you came to a conference to listen to speakers talk about real estate? Well, sure I did. I always learned something new. And also, I wanted to network with people because I find deals at these conferences. And I find people to lend money to and people to borrow money from. So it is kind of a a lifelong thing to... uh, uh, keep getting keep getting educated in the business. Okay, yep. so so things are happening in the market right now, and I know you know you've seen this in thirty six years. You've seen this several times in the past, yep. where the market market gets you know a little too hot and then slows down for a while. And uh, when we talk about a slow market, what we're really what we really are talking about is like a buyer's market. Where all of a sudden there's more inventory, there's fewer buyers to buy it, and so those buyers, um, you know, they react in certain ways to to the fact that they can see that uh, as well. So um, since since the business of retailing, since buying, fixing, and housing, uh, selling houses depends so strongly on there being eager, ready, willing, able, qualified homeowners on the back end of that business to to buy them. Uh, what can retailers expect to see over the next 12 to 18 months? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to happen. You know, this is, um, this is, this is not, I don't believe this is going to be anything like the last, you know, what we call a great recession. Um, I don't expect it to be nearly as deep or nearly as long as the last one, but some of the same things are going to happen. Uh, we're going to see, you know, the days on market is, it's going to be the big indicator of when it's really starting to happen. Uh, as days on market expands, that tells us that, you know, people are not buying them as quickly. Um, it means that prices are going to start flattening out and then coming back down. Um, it means that those people who can buy, who can qualify, um, are going to be a lot more picky about what it is because they can be, because they're the ones, you know, who are able to pull the trigger. So, a lot of things like that, you know, are, are going to start happening. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start to see, um, you know, the ARVs, the, the, the market values will start coming down. And obviously because of that, the purchase prices are going to start coming down. Mm-hmm. So it, it, if you're positioned for it and you understand what's going to happen, it is actually a, a, a wonderful time. It's always a wonderful time to be in real estate. But this is one that really is a great time uh, for us as, as retailers, as long as you adjust and know to react to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the thing about you know prices coming down, inventory going up, all that stuff is a uniquely mixed bag for a retailer. Because, (laughs) you know, retailers got got one desire on the front side where they're buying and a different desire on the back side when they're selling. (laughs) So exactly. um, More deals and lower prices, you know, can mean some really good things in terms of can I get the inventory I need to fix up and sell? Right. Right. So it's, it's easier to find find them to buy. It is still incredible incredibly important that you buy them correctly, that you're doing the math correctly, that um, you adjust your your uh, valuation formulas on on that because, uh, for instance, one of the, the big things that happens is, um, is that, um, lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I think it's probably about days on market if I'm... <laughs> days on market, yeah. Um, 
So one of the big things that's going to happen is your holding costs are potentially going to grow up astronomically. Um, whereas, you know, when, it, when it's a hot seller's market, you know, as soon as you get it on the market, um, you know, we, we hear, hear stories, you know, in the last couple of years about literally hours on market instead of days on market. Mm-hmm. Um, as this changes, we're going to see that that expand. It takes a lot longer once you have the house ready and put it on the market. It's going to take longer to actually sell it and get it closed. So you have to adjust your, your what's called holding costs or you're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, know, in, and, in a hot, hot market you know, we could we can maybe put four months of holding costs in for the the rehab and the selling time. At this point, you know, I would be looking more like, you know, eight to ten months of holding costs uh, to make sure I, you know, don't short uh, short myself on on what it's going to take to actually hold that that property for that amount of time. And I want to come back to that holding costs issue, uh, but I'm getting the the signal from Mike that it's it's time to take a break. But when we when we come back, okay. I want to I want to dig into that a little bit more because uh, one of the one of the things that a lot of people who haven't done this before really really misunderstand is how how big those holding costs actually are. So mm-hmm. we will yep. we will talk about that, and we will also answer any listener questions. There's a couple of ways if you have any questions about the rehab resale business to get a hold of us here. One is call 877-772-9658. Let me say that again. It's 877-772-9658. You can also just send us an email. Send it to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jerry Fink, and we're talking about how a slowing market ought to change what you are doing if you are a rehabber. Uh, Jerry's been through a number of these market cycles, some of the hottest and some of the coldest that we've we've had. And uh, we're, we're just sort of talking about like what sort of mental and mathematical adjustments and, and adjustments in what you are actually doing to properties in some cases uh, you're going right. to need to make now because um, with, with 10 months potential holding time the house you buy today is not the house you're selling 10 months from now if it's right if the market is declining and you know i see right. i i hear i hear a lot of people saying oh yeah i'm i'm definitely going to i'm definitely going to change things up as soon as we really start seeing significant additional days on market i mean we're already everywhere in the country days on market are up uh, prices have flattened out in most places or in some of the really hot markets where they were going up, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten percent a year, they, they're on track to go up like one percent <laughs> this year instead. So, yep. uh, but the problem is when you're a retailer and you've got a four month rehab ahead of you, it's not always a great idea to say, yeah, well, this one I'm going to buy like the market's still super hot. But the next one, for sure, I'm not. Right. I'm not doing that. Uh, we're also taking right. your, your calls at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or your emails at askvina at gmail dot com. That's a s k v like in Victor e n a at gmail dot com. Uh, so uh, holding costs, Jerry. One of the one of the things that comes as a huge shock to people who learned everything they know about how this business works from watching home and garden television <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> is is exactly how expensive holding costs are 
You know, they kind of they kind of mentally go, well, my mortgage payments, so you know, my payment, my hard money lender is only six hundred bucks a month, so that's my holding costs. Yeah, but, but that's not really it. That's only one piece of it. You know, um, you have to you have to account not only for the interest and and another piece of that. Let's just touch on that real quick. Even if you uh, are using your own money, then you need to calculate your your opportunity costs. In other words, you know, you need to quote pay yourself that six seven eight twelve percent whatever you could borrow money for you need to quote pay yourself for that so um, you need to build that into the formula as well mm-hmm. now you know you not only have your interest costs but you have your taxes and depending on where you are taxes can be an incredible uh, amount of money per month uh, it's not unusual to see you know two hundred dollars or more per month on you know a, a relatively modest house mm-hmm. uh, so that you know that can bite you real quick you got uh insurance obviously um and then you know you also have to be able to account for your um your just maintenance and utilities while you're working on the place so you know somebody's got to cut the grass somebody's got to shovel the snow somebody's got to you know take care of just the property in general you know while you have it Um, so if you don't take all those things into a into account you are really really going to you know bite yourself in the rear uh, you know, when you when you do the your final calculation on, boy, I didn't make what I thought I would mm-hmm. on this property. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's um, that is one of the big big things that that people tend to overlook is is how expensive um, holding costs are. Yeah, and as and as a rough estimate, they tend to run around one percent of whatever the ARV of the property is every month. Roughly, yeah. So, yeah. So, and it, again, that depends where you are. Um, you know, some obviously some places have much higher tax rates, for mm-hmm. instance, and you know that you would have to adjust that a little bit. But mm-hmm. a, a rough, yeah, a rough number is about one percent. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard that number, I was like, "That's not right." Come on, you're <laughs> telling me it costs two thousand dollars a month to hold a two hundred thousand dollar house vacant, and then I did that. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's the little ticky tacky stuff that that gets you it's you know it, it having the lawn mowed every 10 days because it rains a lot in cincinnati and you don't want the city on your right. back and you want it looking good you don't want the neighbors complaining and you know and then it's the the uh keeping it heated not just for your contractors yep. but also like you're not turning off the heat in the sum- in the winter or the central air in the summer when you're trying to sell a house <laughs> you know when your buyers right. standing there sweating <laughs> going on i'm not sure. there's something about this house i don't like and i can't quite figure out what it is you know, so, yeah. and so that's, that's hard on a house. Also, it's, it's just hard on the, the actual house itself if you let it get too hot or too cold. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, you, you're really protecting your investment by paying the utility bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And your contractor is going to want to wash out their paintbrushes. And, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's all sorts yeah. of there's all sorts of stuff that you just don't think about because the house isn't it's not occupied. So you're like, oh, what kind of expenses probably be? So a, an extra four months of holding time basically means that you need to reduce what you're offering by 4% of the ARV to account for it. Yep. Yep. And that's that's the place yeah. that's then, the place where people have to, you know, think these things through. Exactly. Yep. All right. Now, well, we have, know, a, we have a we have a we have a caller I want to grab, Jerry. It's okay. uh, David calling right. on line 1 from Baltimore. David, welcome to Real Life okay. Real Estate. Hey, Vina, how you doing? Good, David. How are you? I'm doing okay, but I'm a rehabber, and I, I, I just wanted to say I've, I've heard you speak here in Baltimore. You really know your stuff. 
and um, I appreciate what you and your guest are saying. I'm actually, I actually help teach the rehabbing class for Aria here, mm. and I used to tell people six months for a, even a big rehab, four months to do it, and two months to quickly get a contract and close. Mm -hmm. and now I'm telling them eight months, mm. but now I hear you guys saying ten. That's oh. Time. Well, he was just—he was just—he <laughs> was just throwing that out as as an example that you might okay. you, you might go from four months to eight months or yep. ten months. Uh, we're yeah. we're certainly not at the point right now where uh, where people are are experiencing you know six months of holding time after they've done right. the right. after they've done the rehab. But but what is interesting, David? Now that you now that you bring it up, is um, I'm seeing more a higher percentage of deals fall through over what I would call like buyer chickenness like uh you know we put it we put it under contract and then the inspection came back and inspections always terrify home buyers right yep always 100% <laughs> of the time but when the market was super hot we'd get these inspections back and the home buyer would say oh my god they said the foundation's falling apart and the, the you know stuff that isn't even like really accurate and then they would say can we get a $3,000 price deduction? Because because they, they didn't want to get back into the market again because they'd had such a hard time getting that house under contract. And uh, I've had two deals fall through in the last uh, probably two months over over inspections where the buyer just said, nope, I'm out. Yes, because I've, had, I've had that happen once, once as well. And you could do a whole show on buyer's inspectors. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm not sure that would be super. I'm not sure that would be super popular with the inspectors. But... <laughs> no, no. But I mean, some of some of them know what they're doing, but some of them don't, and they seem to just uh, cover cover their butts by saying, uh, "Have this inspected by somebody. Have that inspected by a license. This or that." It's like, why did they hire this guy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, but you can't you can't go back and say, "Listen, your guy's incompetent." Because right. they, they believe him, not you. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, it's. Uh, I I think you know. Obviously, a lot of a market slowdown is psychological. Yes. It's just. It's just. I'm. I'm not feeling comfortable about whether I'm going to have a job next month, or I'm not feeling comfortable about the interest rates and my payments anymore, or I'm not feeling comfortable about the direction that the market's going. And when buyers, especially home buyers, start to get uncomfortable like that, they that that's one of the ways in which they behave. Is yeah, they're already they're already laying up at night, going, "Is is right now really the best time to buy a house?" And then given an excuse. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the funny thing is, the, the economy is doing pretty well. Interest rates are still at historic lows. People have got to stop watching so much news and getting terrified. <laughs> Very true. But at the same at the same time that. Uh, you know, interest rates are they, they went up a little bit and then now they're they're holding steady. But exactly. but the thing is, um, house prices have gone up so much. Well, that's true too. That the the lower interest rate I think is no longer kinda offsetting the the fact that you can only pay what you can pay every month. Well and I'm also seeing a lot of houses uh, sitting uh, a lot my my wife is a realtor so every day I get all the houses that have been on for 90 days and I get all the reductions in prices and I think I'm seeing more than I used to yeah you are you are and you're also yep. if you're tracking this you're also seeing more expireds than you were yes I, much so. a, a year ago there were like no expired listings you you had right. to you had to have the worst house in the worst neighborhood at the highest price for your right. house not to sell and then and then not take any offers 
for your for your house not to sell. And right. the number of expireds, which we do track, is is it's it's probably double what it was a year ago. Yes. Yeah. All right, David. Thank you for your input. Appreciate. Thank you all. Much. Appreciate, it. appreciate from hearing, uh, hearing Bye, from investors from other parts of the country. Let's go to line two and talk to Russell in Connecticut. Russell, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Russell, are you there? I don't hear Russell. Let's try it. Sounds like we lost him. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, we lost somebody. Was that? Oh, okay. He may have, he may have, uh, Mike was just like randomly pushing buttons. So it's entirely possible that he hung up on Russell. I don't, I don't know what happened. Hopefully Russell will call us back. Uh, okay. So, um, changes in the market and how to kind of prepare for those and be ready for them when you are a retailer. So we talked about, uh, more deals to choose from, which is going to be a huge sigh of relief. Right. Longer days on market, which is, can be adjusted for kind of, uh, Oh, Russell's on yeah, line in, one. In, in your math, yeah. Yeah, it can be just before in your math. Let's let's try Russell again. Uh, Hi. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. Disconnection. Um, so the question I have uh, being, um, and and not just beyond myself, for for every for everyone living kind of outside the the um, uh, Midwest, I guess, and South South Midwest, is what? Uh, how would this uh, time on market uh, vary according to, or if it would? Uh, as far as the the, the, mar- the different markets, which part of Connecticut do you live in, Russell? I'm uh, r- I'm right near New York City. Okay, so so are a lot of the people who are buying houses around you actually from New York City? A, a good number are yes. Okay, because uh, like Connecticut, Connecticut is like is like it's a weird place to to be because if you are yes. within that kind of sphere of New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seems to be endless demand and high prices and stuff moves. And once you get outside that sphere, it becomes yeah. much more like the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, going like north and north and east, sure, of the uh, of, of Connecticut even. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, very, yep. going, yeah. very true. So, um, Russell, you should, the, 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 uh, the information about, like, uh, how are things slowing down? Are there longer days on the market? Are prices going down? All of that sort of stuff is mm-hmm. part impression. And I, I know you belong to a real estate association up there, so you probably hear people talking, and you probably yep. maybe you're even hearing different things about what their impression are. Some some are saying, mm-hmm. "Oh no, it's 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 slowed down noticeably," and other people are saying, "Not in my business. Everything's going just exactly like it was." But yeah. it's it's really it's really about the data, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, provably, sure. provably, it is or isn't <laughs> slowing down, right. and, and and prices are uh, flattening out. Um, there's a lot of data sources for mm-hmm. uh, that sort of information. Um, the local association of realtors, I guarantee, is publishing uh, uh, like press releases every single month. But my experience mm-hmm. with the boards is that they tend to uh, they tend to it's all good news. You know what I'm right. saying? It's never it's never the market slowed down. It's what great news for buyers. There's there's more inventory to choose from, which which is I mean, that's accurate. There is more inventory to choose from. <laughs> um, 
I would what I would do is I would look at Zillow actually. Zillow you, you may not know this because you may not have explored this part of it, but they have got a lot of data in the back end mm-hmm. about um not just days on market but how they have changed rents okay. and how they have changed um prices and how they have changed. Now you can't you can't get down to like the granular level of of what about this zip code because then you might only be looking at five sales and what that means is mm-hmm. if if one REO sold this month all of a sudden it looks like prices there took a twenty percent dip and they didn't it was one house that sold and they're just mm-hmm. averaging it right but if you look mm-hmm. at it at, at like the city level mm-hmm. and then the county level because those are those are often those often are kind of moving in different directions depending on where you are. Uh, sure, you, sure. You can get a lot of data about that kind of thing. I can tell you that, like the luxury homes in in say Greenwich, mm-hmm. are yeah, that's where I am actually. They are definitely taking longer to sell, and and agents are definitely having to take price reductions on them. If you yes, in if, fact, go ahead. In fact, there's a house that's that's slated for auction in in the same town uh, later this month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so, which is almost never heard of. Yeah, in Connecticut, so. Connecticut, outside of the of the New York City kind of, I can jump on a train and be there in an hour. Uh, area right. is, you know, it, it a lot of it's hurting economically. There's been some big employers that have moved out, and Gee. Yep. yes, exactly, <laughs> and uh, and that's never that's never helpful to real estate prices when people have to follow jobs to someplace else mm-hmm. in the country. But uh, you can you can you can look up a lot of this data. I just what what I don't trust is is looking at the data being reprinted in the media. Okay. Because right. if you, if you see an article that says uh, home prices are higher than they've ever been, and you start digging through to see where they got the information, and then you go look at the information, you find mm-hmm. out that they've given you one tiny little piece of a bigger picture that 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 says something different. Right. Right. Yeah, that definitely, and and I mean, I'm thinking also of, of the others who live on sort of on maybe on those kind of fringes of the West Coast and and the and the little more unusual parts, maybe Chicago and that area that that are that are doing that that are kind of more um, how should I say outliers mm-hmm. in the general sense. Well, so. Il- Illinois is doing some things that uh, look like they might destroy Illinois, like make people move out in in droves uh, with their yes. their taxes and property taxes and of course California is on a constant 15 year real estate roller coaster it mm-hmm. it 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 peaks it crashes it peaks at a higher peak it crashes and every time those two things happen everybody's super surprised mm-hmm. even though it's happened every 15 years since like 1810 yeah <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> all right i appreciate appreciate your call russell all right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we need to Bye-bye. we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about uh, the buyer part of the uh, slowdown, as well as what you ought to do as a retailer in order to make sure that you are doing the right things to the right properties. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jerry Fink, who's joining us by phone because he's in Branson or headed toward Branson, which means he's going to miss the Cincinnati RIA meeting tomorrow night. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Which is uh, about 
not not this exact same topic, but uh, you know, if you tuned in hoping to hear about like, you know, so what kind of what kind of flooring should I put into a kitchen, or you know, what are the best color cabinets or stuff like that? That's what tomorrow night's meeting is going to be about. It's a rehabber panel. And they're going to address any questions you have, uh, whether it is about like materials or costs or strategies or their favorite neighborhoods to retail in, favorite price ranges, things like that. We've got three very experienced rehabbers on that panel. And uh, the early meeting at 6 o'clock, I dread to say, is my partner, Mr. Drew, talking about, I, I know, there's a, Mike just got the, this big grin on his face and now he's clasping his chest. Because when Mr. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Drew's on the radio, we have that we have that cough button that is an automatic seven seven second delay, and we can undo anything he said as long as we catch it within seven seconds. But there's n- there's not something like that at the RIA meeting. Uh, but he's going to be talking about uh, wholesaling and specifically uh, what to do with deals that just seem so ugly and in you know such marginal neighborhoods that they don't look like they're going to be deals. That meeting is open to the public. You can download a free first-time guest pass or just RSVP and say I'm coming at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And, of course, the location, times, all of that stuff are there as well. Okay, so, Jerry, back to uh, back to the uh, question at hand, which is the market changing and what that means to a typical rehabber. Uh, um, our first caller actually kind of addressed one of the issues I wanted to talk to you about, which is buyers get more scarce, but the ones that are left get more like, they get more like brave about asking for things. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you know, they're, they're the ones who, who can pull the trigger so they can be more picky. So the way that that translates to what we have to do is we have to, we have to make our, our properties um, as as nice as we can afford to do it and still, you know, it be cost effective. Um, you know, when it, when everybody's clamoring for a house, you don't have to be quite as quite as good because they're looking for a house, period. You know, so you don't have to have quite the, the level of quality or some of the features and that kind of stuff that you do when it's a when it's a buyer's market. So, you know, uh in just about any level house now, it's almost expected that you have, you know, granite and uh, stainless. You know, that's almost, you know, almost in any house. I mean, at least in Cincinnati, anything of over about, you know, ninety or hundred thousand dollars is going to have that that kind of stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that we're seeing now is is people are very, very much into when I buy a house, I want it to be completely maintenance free. So things like if the roof is even suspect, you're going to go ahead and change that out. If the windows are suspect, you're going to do those. If if the concrete isn't quite, you know, up to snuff, you're going to you're going to address that. So you're going to have to do the things to to make it sparkle, you know, a lot more than we do in a in a you know a, a hotter market. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the you know the basics mm-hmm. uh, what we have to look at there. Yeah, we were uh, a couple of weeks ago. I interviewed some guys who are doing new development. They're they're actually scraping lots and putting up new houses. And they, yeah, I caught part of that one. Yeah, yeah. well, those guys are going to come to speak to Cincinnati Re in June. Are they really? They okay. really are. Yep. Yeah, got them. Got them coming from Nashville. Good. Uh, so they were mentioning that you know a year ago they would put the property on the market when it was like eighty percent finished. 
and and just let yep. people go ahead and start making offers because because they would, yep. and that recently yep. exactly, and that yep. recently they have changed that so that it's like you know it's done before they bring anybody in because again with more choices, with more properties available to buy, yep. you know buyers are buyers are often gonna. They they figure out how to get around the fact that they can't see the finished product <laughs> when the when there's nothing else to buy. But when there is other stuff to buy, they get more you know circumspect about that sort of thing. Um, and I think the other thing that we saw we saw this big time in prior to the big crash. So like call it two thousand three, four, five, six, and then we saw it starting to happen a bit over the you know prior eighteen months. Is uh, people could buy. Property, properties that the properties themselves were somewhat marginal. They they weren't they right. were, they weren't in a great school system. They had some kind of a layout flaw that really couldn't be cured. Things like that, and they could still sell them at the back end. I assume retailers are going to get pickier about not taking risks like that. You have to, yeah, you have to. Um, you have to do it one of two ways. Either you don't buy that property at all. Or you you de- demand a much deeper discount, you know, because you're you're going to have more trouble selling that house. You're going to take less money for it. Your holding costs are going to be longer. Uh, so again, it, it's all math at the at the end of the day. But if you want to do it quickly and in any kind of volume, you're going to have to be more picky about, like you said, where you know what school system is it in, and doesn't have functional obsolescence, and you know uh, it's not on a busy street um you know all those things come into play uh you know what makes a a house the most desirable so just like your buyer is going to be looking for the most desirable house you're going to have to find that house to be able to rehab for them and turn it around Mm -hmm. i think most people are familiar with the formula under which retailers try to buy houses and that it's it's roughly and there's you know five percent swing on either side of this depending on who you're talking to but it's roughly take the fixed up value multiply it by 0.7 subtract your repair costs and that that's the purchase price you want and 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 that 30 percent that you're taking off up front isn't your profit that accounts for the holding cost finance costs you know things like that right which leaves like a 20 percent profit that everybody's shooting for so on a two hundred thousand dollar house i want to you know actually clear forty thousand dollars after all the dust settles. But as I'm adding all this stuff up in my head, when I'm saying, all right, so we could have a couple of months longer on the market and that's gonna cost me 2% of the the after repaired value. And I picked a house that wasn't, you know, really the ideal homeowner house. So, and I've got buyers that now want me to pay for the inspections. Their closing costs. (laughs) Pay for the closing costs and pay for the points, which, you know, every offer I had gotten up until first of this year, in in the last five years, the buyer wasn't asking me to pay for anything. Right. It was here's the here's the purchase price and no no seller concessions. But now now that's come back. You know, we want we want this this and this, and yep. the the price may not be as high when you go to when you are ready to sell it in four or five months as it is right now. It seems like all of those things could pretty quickly eat up that entire twenty percent. Exactly, exactly. And I I know you're familiar with the specific formula that I use, which is a derivation of the one that you just went through. But I actually call out those individual pieces. I call out the holding costs, selling costs, 
you know, all those things so that um, I, I'm not surprised mm-hmm. <laughs> by that. And, and you know, what I've found to, to basically reconcile the formula that I use and the one that you just talked through is instead of using 0.7, if you use about 0.63 to 0.65, um, you'll be pretty close to, to the same number that I come to by going through and actually itemizing the cost. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, especially in, in this market, you know, where um, you're, you're not nearly as sure of the ARV, right? Because if the, if the market's slipping, you have to kind of put a factor in there for if, if if the price falls two, three, four, five percent, you know, I, I need to be able to absorb that. So that's why, you know, it, it's the market's, you know, kind of softening here. Instead of 0.7, I would use something like a 6.3 or a 6.5 factor. Mm-hmm. So rather than rather than try and predict what the house is worth at the end, say, OK, I know what it's worth now and then use 0.65 and 7.7. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to you're going to be safe if the market you know, say doesn't fall more than about 5% or so in that, you know, six to 10 months that, that you have it. Um, and unless we have, you know, just the bottom absolutely falls out, um, you, you know, you should be, you should be okay with that. Which, which again, we have no reason to believe is going to happen. No, okay. no I don't think so either. Mike is calling for another break. So when we come okay. back, we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about pricing deals and then uh, wrap this up. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Jerry Fink. We're talking about retailing uh, properties. Uh, By the way, folks who are within a reasonable drive of Cincinnati, uh, if you're interested in wholesaling properties, Cincinnati RIA is having an all-day workshop on the on the strategy of wholesaling and also repair for equity deals on May the 11th. Uh, you can get information about that at uh, CincinnatiRIA.com, CincinnatiREIA.com. Uh, it's pretty inexpensive and members and non-members can both attend. So um, something to look at if you've been looking for some wholesaling information. Okay, Jerry, a question from Matt via email. He says, does Jerry use a realtor when selling his flips, or does he have a good system for selling them himself? <laughs> okay. Um, I always try to sell it myself initially. Um, and, you know, like you are talking about the guys from Nashville that, that put it on the market, you know, at some point. I, when, when I've got it about 80 to 90% done is when I, when I start marketing it with the you know, the sign in the front yard or the banner on the house is, is still the, the most effective thing that I've ever found if you're in a uh, jurisdiction that allows you to do that. Uh, you know, the, the bandit signs on the corners, you know, uh, pointing people to the house, all that sort of thing. I try from when I'm about 80% done until I've had it complete for about two weeks, I try to sell it myself, obviously, to, to attempt to save you know, the, the realtor's commission. Um, and then if, if um, sold within that, you know, two months, two weeks after it's done, I will go ahead and list it with a realtor and, um, you know, just go that traditional route. But yes, I do try to sell them on my own before. Okay. And a question from Roberto who says, I purchased a property for $39,000 during wholesale school last year using Jerry's rehab cost estimate list to calculate my offer. The county has the property valued at 80. 
I do have comps at around 80 since we've completed the rehab. I'm wondering if I should challenge the tax assessment using the HUD-1 purchase price as justification to lower the tax bill. Well, if, if he's, if he's going to sell it, um, it makes absolutely no difference. Um, you know, if you were going to keep it as a rental, then you might, you know, you might go through the, the challenge, you know, to try to get the tax base lowered at least for the first couple of years. And, you know, you know this too, Venus, once – once you've done that improvement and they come back through and do the reassessment, you know, on that three-year cycle, it's going to get bumped, you know, somewhere back up around that 80 anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you're retailing it, it really doesn't matter because uh, by the time you would get it through, you know, for yourself, it's just not worth the, the hassle and it's out of your hands and it'll be, you know, the next, the, it'll be the buyer's um, tax bill that would really be affected and that's going to be by their HUD. Right. Yes, and and I'm sure you have the experience of having having buyers, potential buyers, come to you and say, "The county says this house is only worth thirty nine thousand dollars. How dare you try to sell it for eighty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so between yeah, or, or or my favorite one is you only paid thirty seven. How could you dare price it at eighty? Well, <laughs> I'll give never you. Never mind that I put forty five thousand dollars into it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you thirty nine for it based on your thirty seven thousand dollar purchase price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, last thing I want to talk about in terms of like uh, um, retailers being prepared for the market slowdown and, you know, acting in the in the most intelligent possible way so they can keep those profits going and not find themselves in the position of looking at a deal and saying, oh, I'm going to have to pay 5000 to sell it or I did all that work and I only made 5000 or maybe I better keep this mm-hmm. as a rental for a while, <laughs> all of which are, of course, well, options. And, and they are all real, you know, mm-hmm. um, in the last, you know, in the last downturn, I, I was sitting on 15 of them, <laughs> you know, so I, I became a landlord very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, so, um, you know, which isn't the worst thing in the world. I, I mean, you know, that's, that's actually, it should be part of everybody's long-term strategy is mm-hmm. to actually own property. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. um, but those are things. And, and really what it is, is, is making sure that you're keeping up on what's current. You know, what are the current prices? What what are the current days on market? Um, another thing that we didn't really have time to touch on a whole lot is your your actual rehab costs uh, are going to change during this time as well. Um, contractors are, are going to be looking for work again instead of not having time to give you a bid. Um, so, you know, the pricing and the availability is going to be a little bit better. Um, you know, you should be able to actually turn your your rehabs quicker because of those people being available. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the con- on the con side, you know, you're going to spend a little bit more in some of those, you know, upgrades that we talked about. You know, the granite and, and all that kind of stuff. You're going to spend a little more money there. But the fact that the contractors are going to be more available and more reasonable on pricing is is also going to have a, a, a good. Yeah, there's always Just keeping up yeah. with what's what's going on. What. What are prices in that neighborhood? What are days in, on market in that neighborhood? And uh, what, you know, discount off of list price are, are properties actually selling for? Mm-hmm. Those types of things. And let's Just really have to keep up with what's current. And let's talk about pricing because, you know, every every retailer I know has just been cackling for the last four or five years about how, you know, when I bought it, the comps said it was only worth 170 but then I found some comps, you know, four months later at, at 180 So I thought, I'll put it on the market at 189 
and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I sold it in, in one day at one eighty nine, and right. um, that's that's a pricing strategy that probably doesn't work when other people are lowering their prices. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you're you're half kidding about the the HGTV shows. You know where. You know, I, I run thirty thousand dollars over on my rehab budget, so I just raise the price by fifty, and then I get in a bidding war, you know, and sell it for twenty thousand more than that. You know that that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't happen in the real world, you know. And and you're absolutely right. If 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 the market is softening, you can't be super aggressive on your pricing, or you're gonna you're gonna sit on the market and you're gonna become what's called a stale property, and and the buyers are gonna say there's something wrong with this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't sold. It hasn't, you know, they haven't lowered the price. They haven't, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. Um, you're actually going to hurt yourself if you try to be real aggressive on pricing, you know, when the market is softening. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of what I'm saying about you. You got to stay current and understand what's going on, you know, in your in your local market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so buy right do your math right up front about what it's going to cost you to own it produce mm-hmm. produce a superior product so that people yep. people just aren't seeing like the, the, your your competitors the homeowners who went to sell their properties so they painted them and put in a new kitchen floor <laughs> which is about the, right. the best the best upgrade right. that you, you're going to see uh the yours just looks you know head and shoulders above all of those and then price it right at the back end yep Don't, yep and rinse, repeat, do it again. I mean, that's the the yes. Be able to to do it over and over. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, we have uh, a, we have about one minute left. Can you can you give us your non non magical? Don't one hundred percent depend on this uh, forecast for what's going to happen in the retailing world over the next twelve to eighteen months. Think so. Um, you're going to be able to choose for more properties. You're going to be able to get a little bit better price on the property that you're going to buy. Contractors that are more available and a little bit better priced, you're going to have to price them appropriately um, and stay on top of things. Okay. And just make sure that you, you keep your thumb on the market and what's going on. And probably the best advice I could give you on that is, uh, is go to your local RIA every month mm-hmm. and make sure that you network and talk to the people so you understand what's going on yes talk to talk to people who are actually doing it not not people who took the class and are reading the newspaper right (laughs) (laughs) yes lots of lots of people have lots of opinions and the ones you should listen to are the ones who are actively in the market so uh good that might start for some people with coming to tomorrow night's cincinnati ria meeting you can get more information about that and get a free first-time guest pass at CincinnatiRia.com. Uh, Jerry, I will see you tomorrow in Branson and appreciate you being right. on today. And we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.